Welcome into Real Pod Wednesdays. Dan Hope joined as always by Andy Anders live from Irving, Texas, where we're at right now, just outside of Dallas. Uh, we are currently at the Media Hotel for the Cotton Bowl, uh, where uh, media festivities got started on Tuesday and will run through Friday when Ohio State will play its final game of the 2023 season against Missouri, a top 10 matchup. Not the college football playoff matchup that many were hoping to see Ohio State in this year, but still a game that I think offers plenty of intrigue, Andy, as it's, you know, this is a Missouri team, but, you know, Missouri may not be a powerhouse brand that necessarily gets people excited, but this is a really good Missouri team. This is a Missouri team that I think maybe has the best offense Ohio State has faced all year. Uh, They're a team that has been very competitive in the SEC this season. And obviously for Ohio State, there, there's going to be some big changes in this game. Kyle McCord's not going to be playing in this game. Devin Brown will be. Uh, we don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be playing in this game for Ohio State. And so uh, this is going to be an opportunity for Ohio State to bo- to you know make a statement and show that it can bounce back from that Michigan game and come back and, and beat a high-level opponent to finish the season on a high note and an opportunity for some less proven players, some guys that we didn't see play as much during the regular season, take on bigger roles uh, here in the Cotton Bowl. Couldn't agree more, and it's nice because both these teams are clearly coming and motivated when you talk to Ohio State's coaching staff, when you talk to its players. Obviously, obviously Missouri is motivated. I mean, this is almost like a Super Bowl for them, right? This is the biggest game they've had in their program in a long, long time, um, and really since the SEC championship game a while back. and. They are very motivated coming into this game, and it's nice to see that when you compare it to something like Florida State, Georgia, where you have a lot of opt-outs and transfers, guys not as motivated to be in that game and to make a statement. So I think the fact that both teams clearly want to win this game, clearly want to be here and just maybe right the wrongs of the season in Ohio State's case or capture a really nice trophy that you really haven't gotten before in Missouri's case. This game is going to be a good, intense one, and I'm really excited to watch it for that reason. Yeah, to that point of opt-outs, you know, we're sitting here on Tuesday night recording for Wednesday morning, so you never know what could change. Uh, Ohio State will have another open practice on Wednesday. Ohio State will have another interview session on Wednesday. Of course, we expect some news to kind of trickle out over the course of a week leading up to Friday. But, you know, as we sit here right now, it seems like the only opt-out of this game, at least the true opt-out, is going to be Marvin Harrison Jr., who uh, we saw at practice Tuesday. He was not practicing with the team. He was there on a stationary bike. Looked like he wanted to be out there on the field practicing. I think he, he'd probably like to be playing in this game with his teammates, but I think he, he's making a business decision that nobody's going to fault him for. That, you know, This is a guy who's projected to be a top three overall pick in the NFL draft. He truly does not have anything to gain from an NFL draft perspective by playing in this game. And so with there being no championship on the line for Ohio State, with this being a glorified consolation game for Ohio State, it it doesn't make a ton of sense for him to play in this game. But it doesn't look like anyone else is going to opt out. And I think some of that speaks to the fact that, you know, it's feeling more and more like Ohio State could end up getting a lot of key players back next year. You know, guys like Emeka Abuka, Denzel Burke, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuomolowal, Travion Henderson, uh, Donovan Jackson, you know, Jordan Hancock, Tyleek Williams, Leif and Ransom. I mean, we haven't heard decisions from any of those guys yet, and so it's still possible any of those guys could go pro. But there does seem to be some momentum toward a, a significant group of those guys coming back next year. And even if they don't, just the mere fact that they're going to be playing in this game tells you that this game matters to Ohio State. You know, it's possible that, you know, maybe a Tommy Eichenberg doesn't play in this game. Jim Knowles said Tuesday that, you know, his status is up in the air because he's still coming back from that arm injury that he suffered in November. You know, Kate Stover is another guy, maybe a little bit of uncertainty as he's, you know, dealt with some injuries this season. But by and large, it looks like most of the Ohio State team is going to play. And so I think it's fair to say that this game is 
bigger for Missouri than it is for Ohio State. I mean, I know that our Garrick Hodge did a Q&A with one of the beat writers who covers Missouri, and, and he said that this is the biggest game Missouri has had in a decade. It's certainly not that for Ohio State. And so it's fair to say that Missouri may have the greater motivation going into this game, but I don't think that gap is necessarily as big as people might think or might have thought it would be initially, because I do think this is an Ohio State team that really wants to win this game. It really does not want to lose its final two games of a season two years in a row. They want to wash that bad taste out of their mouth from a Michigan loss. You're not going to completely do that in this game, but you can certainly start and you can certainly build some momentum going into 2024. Right. It's all those, you know, for lack of a better word, cliche things that we hear players talk about all the time, right? It's it's brotherhood. It's wanting to end things the right way. You know, the, those things do matter to the players, even if fans sometimes, hear, because they hear them so much, maybe roll their eyes sometimes. It, it's things that matter to a player. If you played a team sport, you know what that camaraderie can be like on a team that's really close-knit, as I think this one is. And I think that's why we, one other reason why we haven't seen all these opt-outs that some teams are having or transfer portal. You know, it was interesting talking to Jack Sawyer today because, you know, he was a guy who said he's more than likely coming back uh, today in, in the press conferences, which was interesting because usually before a guy officially makes his decision, he doesn't indicate which way he's leading. Jack today ended up saying more than likely, probably a couple of different times, and also then dove into how the 2021 class, recruiting class, the junior class at Ohio State, as a collective, has been talking about kind of coming back and righting the wrongs of last year. And he talked about a couple different reasons for this. One of the things I thought was interesting was he mentioned, or I asked a question about how uh, Michigan is always able to seem to pull back in high-end draft talent like Aiden Hutchinson, like Blake Corum, and have really senior-laden rosters with even some guys that could have gone pro in a day two, even day one pick. And then you know they might boost their draft stock even more after that, but they get those guys back, and you have really experienced teams you know that are keeping their high-end talent. And so Jack had said that's something that they've discussed directly, looking at that, seeing what Michigan's done in that vein. And it's another reason why a lot of them collectively and now they're going to make their decisions as individuals in the end you've got to do what's best for you and he said that but as a collective they're talking about what it would look like if a lot of them came back next year particularly on defense because that's the side of the ball he plays and kind of righted those wrongs but to your point dan obviously this is like you said a missouri team that is going to be more motivated than ohio state ohio state is still pretty motivated though and i think the motivation gap only goes so far when you're talking about football. I mean, really, after the first quarter, you're just in it, right? So uh, looking at the actual threat, the actual matchup Missouri presents in this game, I think it starts on the offensive end, right? 25th in scoring, 23rd in total offense, all the weapons that they pose. I mean, Luther Burden is the first name that obviously jumps out at you, former five-star prospect, Bolitnikov semifinalist, almost 1,200 yards this season. They get him involved in so many ways, Dan. Uh, whether it's pop passes coming out of the backfield, those jet sweeps, you know, whether it's in the traditional, you know, slot receiver role, getting open, working himself in that way. So uh, a lot of threats that this Missouri offense poses, but I think he's obviously the headliner. Yeah, we've said it before with Marvin Harrison Jr. probably not playing in this game. Luther Bird might be the best wide receiver on the field. Now, Omeka Buka might have something to say about that, but. You know, Luther Burden, you just look at the year that he's had. You look at the talent that he is. Uh, he is uh, probably the best receiver Ohio State has faced all year. And, he, and he's not the only weapon that Ohio State's got to worry about in this game. You know, Theo is Jr. in Oklahoma transfer. Uh, he's a productive wideout. Uh, Mookie Cooper, a former o Ohio State player, uh, he is playing a significant role for Missouri's offense. Uh, they've got a talented quarterback in, in Brady Cook who. Uh, can do some damage both as a passer and as a runner. And they've got one of the best running backs in the country in Cody Schrader, who uh, finished in the top 10 in Heisman voting, was a finalist for the Doak Walker Award, 
as uh, one of the best running backs in college football this year. And so you just look at this Missouri offense as a whole. I think this might be the best offense that Ohio State has faced all year. You look at where they stack up statistically. Uh, they have the most yards per game or more yards per game than any of the 12 teams Ohio State played in a regular season. They have the third most points per game after Penn State and Michigan. Uh, they have the most passing yards per attempt of, of any team Ohio State played this year. And the fourth most rushing yards per attempt after Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Now, I think some of that owes to the fact that, you know, it's just different styles of play between different conferences. Like we saw it in the Big Ten this year. Like you look at the stats for the top defenses in the country and it's, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State in some order. That kind of speaks to what the style of play in the Big Ten has been this year where it's been more low scoring tight kind of games, especially among those top teams. Whereas in the SEC, you've tended to see more higher scoring type games. And so some of that owes to that, but I, I do think that this Missouri offense is going to test this defense in a different way than any offense we've seen all year. And I think, you know, this is a big opportunity for this defense, you know, to, to prove they actually are as good as they were being talked about all year, because the first 11 games of a year, Ohio state's defense was arguably the best in the country. They obviously did not have a great game, particularly not a great second half against Michigan and lost that game. And so, you know, this game, I think, it is very much when we talk about this Ohio State 2023 defense, I, I think how this game plays out is going to be a significant data point in terms of how we remember this Ohio State defense. I think if if this Ohio State defense goes out and they play a great game against a Missouri offense, you look at Missouri's stats for the year, they've only had two games where they've scored fewer than 30 points. And so I think when you talk about like what would be a good performance for Ohio State's defense in this game, like I'm not talking about holding them to like 10 or 14 points because I think this Missouri team uh, offensively is a lot better than just about any other team Ohio State has played. But if you know, this Ohio State defense can hold them, you know, in the low 20s and, and have the kind of performance Ohio State needs to win this game. I think Ohio State would have reason to leave this season feeling really good about what it accomplished defensively, even with the disappointing second half against Michigan. Right. And you talk about building momentum. I mean, this defense took a big jump from last year to this one pretty undeniably. But like you said, this is a legacy game for them, right? How you perform in this not only is going to be how you're remembered for the rest of, you know, how this defense is remembered for however many years later, but for next year, and especially if you're getting a lot of pieces back from the defense that you maybe were expecting to lose to the draft going into the year, you know, this is building momentum for a defense in 2024 that can take that next step and be elite when it counts most, a.k.a. against Michigan, maybe in a Big Ten championship game if you get there, maybe in the college football playoff, which you will likely be in, I would say, when it goes to 12 if you're Ohio State. I mean, it's been a while since Ohio State finished outside the top 12, Dan, but um, that's way ahead of things. Going back to this Missouri team, one thing I wanted to kind of circle back to was Brady Cook because I think running quarterbacks are always an extra dimension for offenses but they're especially dangerous when you have a running back like Cody Schrader because when you have a threat to pull the ball and run at quarterback, it creates eye confusion for linebackers, right? They have to just hold off that extra step to attack downhill and try to get after the star running back because they have to respect the running threat the quarterback can present. I think we saw that when Justin Fields was the quarterback at Ohio State. He was able to create a lot of space for J.K. Dobbins just because the linebackers had to freeze at the snap of the ball um, back in 2019 and even into 2020 with Trey Sermon. But the uh, linebackers are going to have to play a very disciplined brand of football, and the defensive line, too, is going to have to be a very disciplined pass rush to keep Cook in the pocket to make sure he's not making plays off schedule and extending things and making it harder on the secondary, gassing them out a little bit maybe. And the thing is, too, we saw Ohio State struggle with this kind of the one game where a team really threatened with the legs in 
earlier in this year, and that was Rutgers, actually. You know, uh, J.J. McCarthy really didn't get after it as much on the ground in this year's game as he did last year when, you know, extending some things, picking up key first downs. Now, he still made plays with his legs. Don't get me wrong. McCarthy's still extending things. But when you look at what Gavin Wimsat was able to do in combination with Kyle Manongai back in that Rutgers game, Gave Ohio State some fits. Manongai ended up with 159 yards on the ground. Wimsat had 49, and that includes a sack. Because, again, you run those zone read things. Manongai hits the hole hard, really bursty at the line of scrimmage. And Schrader has a similar running style, able to get downhill really fast. And then Wimsat, again, freezes the linebackers because he can keep it, run around the edge, and get a big gain if you're not careful. So I, I think that's a big thing to be concerned about in this game if you're Ohio State is Brady Cook's legs. Great quarterback overall too, but his legs in particular are just another dimension that make it difficult to defend this Missouri team. Yeah, Jim Knowles talked about it on Tuesday that, you know, the thing that's challenging about preparing for this Missouri offense is that you can't just key in on one thing. There's there's been so much talk about Luther Burden, but they can't just focus on taking away Luver Burden. You know, the, the pressure of air is really going to be on the corners, particularly Jordan Hancock playing that nickel spot because Luver Burden lines up so often in the slot. I think they'll probably move Denzel Burke around a little bit too to get him some matchups with Luver Burden. But, you know, the pressure of air is really going to be on the cornerbacks to, to win their matchups uh, against Luver Burden, or at least keep him in check because it's not like you, know, you, you can't just drop. You know, you can't drop eight guys in the coverage in this game. Missouri's too good of a running team to do that. And so, like you said, I think at all three levels, there has to be a lot of d- discipline. You know, the, def- the defensive ends have to do a good job of, of holding contain up front and, and not letting, you know, Brady Cook uh, beat them with his legs. You know, the, the linebackers, you know, whether that's Eichenberg and Chambers or Chambers and Simon, whatever combination it is, you know, they have to play assignment sound football. And, you know, the DBs, I mean, this is going to be certainly one of the biggest challenges of the year uh, for the DBs, I think, particularly at corner. You know, this isn't a a huge tight end passing offense, though Brett Norfleet uh, is a pretty good freshman tight end. And this is also a Missouri offensive line that uh, was a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award. So you look at this Missouri offense, there's not really any clear weakness on it, which means uh, Ohio State's defense is going to have to be uh, as good as it's been all year uh, for Ohio State to have a good chance to win this game. It's another matchup that makes this game exciting. Uh, And, you you know, I, I think I'm really excited just to see how the defense responds in this situation. It's it's such a complete offense, and I think that sort of balance offensively is, again, something Ohio State hasn't seen a whole lot of this year. Michigan obviously presented a pretty balanced attack, especially in the second half of that game, really showed that they could get it done through the air on the ground, etc. But re- again, the offense as Ohio State played otherwise. I mean, you, you look back at, we talked about that Rutgers game. Rutgers struggled to throw the ball for large portions of that game. Or Penn State, you know, Drew Aller had, a pretty off day. Penn State's offense in general wasn't going anywhere. So these big games that Ohio State has played, they haven't faced this level of a complete offense yet um, outside of maybe Michigan and, you know, Notre Dame, I think at that point in the year at least was still uh, pretty, pretty formidable in both uh, the passing and running games there. Uh, and, th- and this offensive line, like you talked about, is again, it, it gets overshadowed when you have all these weapons Missouri has, but it's always where it starts when you talk about a productive offense. Um, and so, you know, you got to give them a lot of credit for opening up the holes they have for Schrader, for Cook, giving guys time. It's again, I, I, the completeness of the Missouri offense is something that I, I think is the number one challenge that they present. Uh, because, you know, if you shift over to the defensive side of the ball, Missouri a little more mediocre on that side of things. And I think that's a, probably a, something Ohio State might be happy with when you talk about breaking in a new quarterback. Yeah, certainly. Now, you know, I think, you know, like you said, mediocre. Not bad. I think, you know, you look at what this defense is statistically in the country. They're they're 40th in both scoring and total defense, 32nd in rush defense, 63rd in pass defense. They are going to be without a couple of their top defensive players in this game. Uh, Cornerback Ennis Rakestraw Jr. and linebacker Tyron Hopper, who is a second team. All Big 12 or All SEC player, excuse me, uh, and and a Buckus Award finalist. Uh, those two players, uh, they are out of this game with injuries, and so 
you know, maybe some, you know, holes for Missouri to have to deal with there. Again, I think when you look at the stats, like it's kind of the opposite of what we were talking about before, where, you know, the SEC, you know, maybe more of a, an explosive offense conference this year in comparison to the Big Ten. And so I, I don't think they're a bad defense by any stretch. I know, you know, Garrick did uh, his Q&A with the beat writer earlier this week and uh, you know, his response was that, no, this Missouri defense, you know, even if the stats don't show it, uh, it's it's actually a pretty good defense. Now, they have been uh, vulnerable at times. When you look at their stats of a year, they did give up 49 points to Jaden Daniels and LSU, though. Jaden Daniels and LSU uh, beat up a lot of opponents. You know, they gave up 30 points to Georgia. They gave up 31 points to Florida. You know, if you look at their other games in the second half of the season, you know, they, they gave up 21 points or fewer in four of those six games, uh, you know, bef- you know, earlier in the year. You know, they've only had a couple games all in all where, you know, they've just really struggled defensively. And so I, I think this defense will be competitive with Ohio State. I, I think, you know, it, it's a defense that uh, if Ohio State's offense was at full strength, you'd think Ohio State should have a clear advantage on that side of a ball. But there's obviously a lot of question marks for this Ohio State offense going into this game. Starting, of course, at that quarterback position with Devin Brown, uh, continuing with the fact that they're also going to be having, you know, two different starting wide receivers in this game with you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. not playing, Julian Fleming entering the transfer portal. Uh, we know Ohio State's also going to be shorthanded at running back with Chip Trainum, Evan Pryor in the transfer portal, Mayan Williams out for the year. And so we don't know exactly what this Ohio State offense is going to look like going into this game. We know in the regular season that this Ohio State offense did not have the same firepower as it has had in Ryan Day's other previous seasons. And so, you know, a, a lot of question marks, I think, offensively for Ohio State going into this game. And we talk about momentum for next year. You know, if, I think that's probably particularly important on the offensive side of the ball. Because I think if, if Devin Brown goes out and he has a good game and Ohio State's offense, you know, puts up a big number and plays great, well, the first thing people might say is, why didn't this guy play all year? And I've said it before, I think that conversation's a little bit disingenuous because we 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 saw what happened in the first couple weeks of a year. I think Kyle McCord was clearly ahead of Devin Brown at that point. If Devin goes out in this game and plays great, you should just be happy that, hey, Ohio State's potential starting quarterback in 2024 just showed against a really good team on a big stage that he can play. But that's something we have to see at this point. We, you know, we, we saw in limited action, he was pretty inconsistent this year. As I've said before, I don't think we've had enough of a sample size of Devin Brown yet to really have any true evaluation of him. But this is going to be our first opportunity to truly evaluate him. And you know, Ohio State, I mean, it, it, what happens in this game on Friday could absolutely play a big part in determining who Ohio State's starting quarterback is in 2024. You know, if, if Devin Brown goes out and plays great in this game, he's going to enter 2024 as a clear front runner for a quarterback job. If he struggles, maybe Ohio State thinks about going to the transfer portal again and getting a quwarterback. Maybe they open it up and make it a, I mean, I think they're going to open it up for competition anyway. But I think Devin Brown has a chance in this game, if he plays really well, to go in and really stake his claim for that job going into next year. Whereas I think if he doesn't play well in this game, I think it will absolutely be a very open competition and that he's going to go into 2024 with a lot to prove. It's giving yourself that leg up, right? That's what Devin is, you know, looking to do in this one. And, you know, he's a confident kid, right? You see it on Twitter. You see it uh, just in talking to him in interviews. Uh, he carries himself well. I, I'm not sure how much I expect the big game nerves to play an impact on him as much as it will be just breaking into real live game speed with this offense. Uh, when you talk about, you know, he had limited experience at the start of the year when it was still an ongoing competition. First couple games, he rolled a couple of series with McCord, obviously showed plenty of inconsistency in those reps. Um, but also, the other thing I'm curious to see now, and when you talk about confidence, is what does a month of knowing you're the guy now do to 
his level of play and can that raise it as well. Now, like you said, he's going to be throwing to a couple new receivers in this game. Um, that'll also be interesting. And maybe the benefit of being the backup to Kyle McCord all year was that he was working with the twos all season. So we expect Carnell Tate and Xavier Johnson to be the starters in place of Marvin Harrison Jr. If he does indeed opt out and Julian Fleming, he's been working with those guys all year. So probably has some developed chemistry there from running with the twos. Um, even though there were spots where Carnell had to play upstart with the starters this year with some injuries. So I, that's another thing that maybe is going in his favor. But it, it's just going to be curious to see, A, how long it takes Devin to settle into this game. And B, like you said, can he give himself a leg up in next year's competition by going out, putting on a big performance, delivering a win for Ohio State, uh, and just doing the things that you need your starting quarterback to do in this game to get it done? Yeah, like you said, I mean, he's definitely someone who projects confidence anytime you talk to him. It's something that we've heard from both coaches and players about Devin Brown. I know when uh, the arrival press conference was held here on Saturday, both Ryan Day and Xavier Johnson used the word charisma when describing Devin Brown. And that's just something you see. He just has that very charismatic, confident leadership style that makes people rally around him. And I think that's already happened even in bowl practice. I think he's made believers out of a lot of his teammates. I know, you know, Denzel Burke was saying on Tuesday that, you know, Devin kind of surprised him with how well he performed during bowl practices. And so, like you said, it's now a matter of can he take what he's done in those practices over the last few weeks and take that into a field and actual game action. And, and, it, and it's a high-pressure situation, right? I mean, he's admitted it himself. He views this as his audition for next year's starting quarterback job. And so that's a lot of pressure on a young man's shoulders. I mean, you, 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 you know, is, if we were going to quote Eminem here, you could say you only get one shot, one opportunity <laughs> to seize everything you ever wanted. And maybe that is a bit of an exaggeration here, but it, but it's true in this situation that, you know, this game could absolutely make or break whether Devin Brown becomes Ohio State's starting quarterback. And I think if you're Devin, you kind of have to block all that out once this game starts, and you got to just focus on one play to the next, doing what you need to do to give Ohio State the best chance to beat Missouri. Because if, if Devin Brown plays well and Ohio State beats Missouri, he's certainly going to go into 2024 with at least a chance to be Ohio State's starting quarterback job. I think it's again, it's like you don't want to put too much pressure on a guy in his first start, but I, I, I also do think realistically it's more likely Devin loses the job for next year than he wins it. Because I, I think, you know, no matter what, there's going to be a competition next year and, and, and Devin is going to have to, you know, if he can go out and play great, he's still going to have to back it up over the course of a spring and summer. But if, if you go out and you don't play well, you know, then maybe Ohio State has to look and say, okay, who's still out there in the transfer portal? Like, what, what do we have to do at quarterback uh, moving forward? And so, uh, you know, it's a lot of pressure. I, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how he handles it. You know, Andy, what, like, if you can quantify it at all, what do you feel like you need to see from Devin Brown on Friday night to feel good about him as Ohio State starting quarterback going into 2024? Well, uh, just again, taking the reins and really like he needs to settle in at some point. He needs to lead a few drives where he in key moments, he's delivering Ohio State down the field for touchdowns. I don't know if I'm going to point to any one statistic and say, hey, if Devin throws for 300 yards in this game, although I guess if he threw for 300, it probably means he played pretty well. But uh, if, if Devin throws for X number of yards, if Devin has X completion percentage, I don't think that's it so much as, you know, the, the quarterback's number one job is to lead the offense down the field and produce points. And I think that's how you have to sit back and evaluate. Does he make the plays he needs to make to drive Ohio State down the field to get the points they need to deliver against Missouri. You know, he, he can't let his hands get sweaty, you know, or his arms get heavy. Uh, and this one, just to go back to your little lose yourself uh, reference there, uh, a, little, a little too much Eminem. But yeah, he, um, he needs to deliver in those moments. I, I think it's more about situations and how does he perform when the moment is the biggest that is the most telling thing 
you know, I want to see from him as being the guy next year than it is me pointing to any one statistic or data point for what he does. Although we will talk about those data points plenty after the game, I'm sure. Aside from Devin Brown, I feel like if we were going to pinpoint one player on offense that's probably going to have a lot of eyeballs on him in this game, I think it's probably going to be Carnell Tate. Because I think you think back to what happened two years ago in the Rose Bowl when Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson both opted out of a game to preserve their health for the NFL draft. And Marvin Harrison Jr., in his first career start, catches free touchdown passes. And that was kind of a beginning. Like That was when we first realized Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a problem. Like, this guy is really good. And, you know, Mecca Buka, we saw flashes from him in that game as well. And then he goes on in the next year and he becomes a star. I think this is a very similar opportunity for Carnell Tate. You know, we've, uh, we have seen him play all year. He's been in that rotation all year. Has honestly played more as a freshman than, you know, a Chris Olave or a Marvin Harrison Jr. did kind of similar to almost Garrett Wilson as a freshman in terms of you know how much he's played. We haven't seen him have that true breakout game yet, but we've certainly seen intriguing flashes from him. And he's a guy that just repeatedly still we, we've heard it all year long when when anyone gets asked about that guy, whether it's a coach or a player, they just repeatedly the, the praise on him is so high that it's clear that Everyone in this program thinks he is going to be the next superstar receiver at Ohio State. It's it's the way they talk about him. It's like it's a matter of when, not if. And this could maybe be the start of that. I think I think this is a big opportunity for Carnell Tate and one that they need him to rise to the occasion in without Marvin Harrison Jr. Carnell is probably the biggest storyline on offense outside of Devin, I'd say, you know, to your point, Dan, uh, everyone loves to see a freshman step up in these big moments. Everyone wants to see that breakout game at the end of the year and bull practice, you know, breeds that when you get another month to look back on your game, address things. And now he's been the starter. He'll have been repping with the ones all bull practice, right? It breeds to, you know, be big performances. It breeds big performances from players like Carnell. But on the flip side of it, this isn't, it's not a storyline that's necessarily important at all for next year's Ohio State team. But I think just in terms of the fun category, I'm excited to see Xavier Johnson with a starting opportunity, Dan. I know you are. And I think it's fun to ponder, you know, who's going to have the bigger game here? Is it the freshman on the rise or is it the sixth year guy, walk, former walk on? Everyone knows Xavier's story at this point. But, you know, he's a guy who's going to be used in a lot of different areas maybe for in this game too you talk about the lack of running back depth he might see some carries in this game as a result of that too and so you know i'm kind of curious to see if, if xavier johnson has one career defining performance in his last game as a buckeye i think that's like a fun story going into this game. yeah that would be a great story you know listeners know i'm a big xavier johnson fan and i and he's a guy that you know again I've talked about it so much for the last couple of years. He's a guy that when he gets opportunities, he always seems to take advantage. It's never turned into a consistent opportunity to play all the time on offense just because of all the talent that's been around him. But I think this definitely can be his opportunity. I, I would anticipate he's going to start at wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Does Emeka Buka potentially move back outside for this game? Because I think if you do that, you also open up the opportunity for Brandon Ennis to get some snaps in the slot. And I think that's something a lot of people would like to see. I think there's certainly people out there listening who probably would rather see Brandon Ennis than Xavier Johnson in this game because they're already thinking about the future and they want to see what, what Brandon can become. But I do think that, you know, there's going to be so much talk about the future leading up to this game, during this game, and certainly after this game. But I, I think it is important, too, to not look past the guys like Xavier Johnson, the guys like Josh Proctor, the guys like Matt Jones, who are playing their final game. You know, those are the guys. I mean, when you talk about, like, motivation for this team, that's a big source of motivation 
I guarantee like everyone on that team would love to see Xavier Johnson go out on Friday night and have a big game for all that he's given to the program for all the sacrifices that he's made as a team captain, as the block award winner. I think everybody in that team would love to see Xavier Johnson go out there and have a big night on Friday. I think everybody would love to see Josh Proctor with the year he's had finish his season on a high note. And so, and I think it's important, you know, I think there's probably some people out there who, just want to see the young guys play in this game because this game doesn't carry championship implications and it's kind of in some ways a preview for next year but you know one thing ryan day has been adamant about from the beginning is we are going into this game to win this game this certainly is an opportunity for young players to springboard into next year if it's true that all those juniors on the fence are going to return for another year, it's an opportunity for them to springboard themselves in the next year too. But I do not think it's lost on my coaching staff too, that for a guy like Xavier Johnson, this is his final opportunity as a Buckeye. And for all that he's given to the program, I think Ohio State certainly wants to give him the opportunity to play that bigger role but he's probably deserved to have played for years and just hasn't happened based on circumstances. I think he is going to get that opportunity in this game. You know, if, if I had to pick between the two objectively, like who's going to have a bigger game, I am going to go with Carnell Tate because of the upside of Carnell Tate. I think Carnell will probably ultimately play more snaps than Xavier in this game. And I think he may ultimately get more targets, more opportunities in this game. But I am fascinated to see you know, what does Xavier's role look like in terms of, you know, how much is he playing receiver and how much is he playing running back? And can he have, you know, one more signature moment in his career? Because we saw him have a few last year. We haven't really seen him at that moment this year. He's he's made some plays, been productive when he's gotten in the game, but he hasn't really had that like defining moment of his senior season. I think it would certainly be really cool if we got to see that from Xavier Johnson in this game. Get another spin move into the end zone. Who says no, right? Uh, I think that'd be awesome from Xavier. But, you know, you mentioned some other guys who are, who are going to be playing their last game here and outside of Xavier. The, the only ones that we know for sure are Josh, Xavier, and Matt. They're probably, if they play Tommy and Cade, I'd imagine their last game. Haven't Well, Tommy has opted for the senior bowl, but... We don't know if we're going to see Tommy play in this game. Cade, in that same vein. Steel Chambers is a guy who can come back for another year, but I think we all expect him to leave. You know, who who among the guys that are likely playing their last game do you expect to go out with the biggest bang, man? Yeah, I think, you know, I'll, I'll go back to Josh Proctor, a guy who we've just seen make plays all year long for Ohio State, has had the best year of his career. I think he's certainly a guy who's going to be motivated to go out on a high note here. And we talk about it. this is going to be a huge test for the secondary in this game. You know, this is the kind of game where they need Josh Proctor to be at his best. And if he can be in his best, he could certainly be a player who helps swing this game in Ohio State's favor. Yeah, Josh is a guy I've loved covering. Um, just, you know, talking to him, you know, I, I love guys that are great interviews. Of course, we all do as reporters. And there's a feature story sitting there that's going to be a reflection on Josh's career that I'm excited to write. I'm sure a lot of people are going to write, but I'm very excited to, you know, put my touch on that story. I think that when you look at Josh and just everything he's gone through, and when I asked Jim Knowles about him, to Tuesday, Jim said there's stuff that people don't even know about that Josh has gone through off the field. Josh more or less confirmed that, didn't want to go into details about it, which is totally fine. But even just looking on the field, you talk about a guy who had a huge play against Wisconsin that generated so much hype way back in 2019, didn't see the field really the year after that, was playing well through two games in 2021, has a season-ending injury. Has to work his way back from that was a catastrophic broken leg really um and from you you hear the details about that injury and how long the recovery process was for him probably wasn't fully all the way back yet in 2022 when he gets benched one series into the first game of the season for Lathan Ransom and really never gets involved in the defense again sticks it out doesn't transfer and that'll be something to dive into too later with with Josh sticks it out doesn't transfer and now comes back and has a huge breakout season as a sixth-year senior. I mean, this is a guy, you don't see stories like that very much at Ohio State where you're getting these top-flight prospects because a guy has usually transferred out by now or a guy has usually realized his potential by now, hasn't had to go through all these tribulations that Josh has. Um, so it's one of the cooler stories that I think 
I've been witness to in my time covering this team, uh, just to watch Josh's journey and to see too. One of my favorite things about him is just how passionate and energetic he is on the field. I mean, uh, we never got to see it before. And he talked about how all the challenges he's faced has brought that character out of him. He's always been a guy who's been expressive, but just this year you see him. He's always the guy pumping out the pumping up the home crowd at the shoe. He's always the guy celebrating big after a big play. And usually when he's pumping the crowd up, he then goes and makes a big play after that. I think he's a guy who backs up just how big he's, his celebration can be with how well he's played this year. And I think he's a guy who's made big plays and a lot of big moments for this team. Um, and I expect him to make some more plays against Missouri on Friday, win or lose for Ohio State, because I, I think he's honestly turned into a legitimately elite safety uh, for college football. And I, I think he's a guy who could sneak his way in onto an NFL team and end up having a pretty good career, too. Yeah, and you think about if guys like Josh and Xavier, I mean, it's 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 very unique in in multiple ways in terms of for one, like they're using this sixth year of eligibility that they only got because of the COVID nineteen season, and so that's a unique thing that we're not necessarily going to see replicated in the future. But like, I also do wonder when I look at a guy, look at guys like Xavier and Josh and Matt, and I think if if the transfer portal had had proliferated to the point where it is now three or four years ago would those guys have even gotten to this point in Ohio State would they have and you know these are guys who you know someone like Xavier Johnson like who was a walk-on like no one would have blamed him if he would have left the program after a year or two and and transferred somewhere else and I asked him about that a couple weeks ago and he he admitted like yeah you know I'll be honest like I have thought about that but I'm so glad that I, I stayed here and I think all the ups and downs I've had to go through, even if my career hasn't been exactly what the 18-year-old Xavier Johnson thought it would be, I'm glad for all the challenges I've had to overcome. I'm glad for all the different roles I've had to play because I think that's made me better in the end. Josh Proctor said very similar things when he was asked about his career on Tuesday. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we live in a reality now in college football where you know, there's just going to be less guys who are inclined to to stick it out and wait their turn for a long time at the collegiate level, just because you have know, a transfer portal is so readily available now. But, you know, Jim Knowles mentioned it in his press conference on Tuesday, like he hopes Josh Proctor will be an example for people. You know, Ryan Day mentioned it about Xavier Johnson on Saturday that he hopes Xavier Johnson will be an example for his players of what can happen when you stick it out and when you you know overcome some of those challenges and, and what you can become in the end. And so, you know, that's a message that, you know, coaches are going to have to work harder and harder to sell every year. But I think those guys are a couple of good examples of how, you know, perseverance and 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 sticking with it can ultimately lead to success. And, you know, those are two guys. I mean, I've said it before with Xavier, like those are two guys, but I, I think will be playing in the NFL next year. I don't know how high they're going to get drafted given that they're, you know, they're six-year guys, but I think those are both guys who, you know, can can play in the NFL. And, you know, this is going to be one, you know, final opportunity here in the Cotton Bowl for them to put their skills on display. In Xavier's case, probably in a bigger role than he's played just about all season. We mentioned it before. There's a lot of guys on in this team on this team moving on from the guys that are definitely leaving that are considering coming back, right? And and you look at the especially again that junior class uh between Travion Henderson, Emeka Abuka, Denzel Burke, JT, you know, Jack, who's, you know, again more than likely returning in his words, Donovan Jackson, Tyleek Williams. There there is so much um that you could build into next year. And I think, honestly, I was thinking about this today, their performance in this game, the teams, could influence some draft decisions, I think. When you when you think about, like, I think a lot of it is looking at what next year could be for Ohio State if you get a lot of those pieces back, right? If a lot of that those class of 2021 guys come back and fill the roles they filled this year, 
And, you know, obviously trying to beat Michigan, trying to win a Big Ten title, trying to contend for a national title, finally do all those things that this class doesn't have a pair of gold pants. This class doesn't have a Big Ten title game appearance, let alone a trophy. So looking at those things and the pullback, this game could also set the stage for if a lot of them do return what this team can be in 2024. And, 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 you know, we talk about building that momentum a lot, but specifically on the defensive side, I think when you look at the numbers, this defense put up this year, the huge jump they take. If you get enough key guys back, Dan, this could be like the first cup, the, the Georgia national title defense is good. Like there is a certain ceiling that you could start to hit. If you get enough of the pieces back on defense, um, where this this team could move from this defense could move from it was elite most of this year to you come back and you accomplish those goals all of a sudden you're 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 looking at one of the better defenses in Ohio State history that's the ceiling that I think is there if you get a lot of these guys back yeah i mean quite frankly like going into this year you know one of the things that i thought about was you know i kind of felt like the offense was going to take a step back with losing CJ Stroud or some question marks on the offensive line. But I also thought like, well, this is the year for the defense, right? Because you thought about going into the year, all these guys that could potentially leave after the season and the amount of turnover to where, you know, if all those guys you just named were to enter the NFL draft, I think we would certainly expect the defense to take a step back next year because they just wouldn't have as many experienced players. Whereas if all those guys return, you add in that plus another year of experience in the Jim Knowles system, I think certainly the defense, you know, would have that potential to be the best defense in the country next year. And we'll have plenty of time to dissect that in the offseason, you know, once we do know all those decisions here in a few weeks. But, you know, I think that does go back to the point of, you know, this game being an opportunity to kind of set the stage for next year, because I think Again, this is a really good Missouri offense. If Missouri, Missouri could, it's Missouri could go out and put up big numbers on the Ohio State defense. And if that happens, we're not going to be talking about our, is this going to be a Georgia national championship defense next year? We're going to be talking about was any of that improvement from the first eleven games real, mm-hmm. or is it just deja vu? And where in the last two games of a year, when Ohio State plays for two best opponents, it plays all season, it gets exposed. And so I think. Again, it's 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 an oversimplification of things, but I do think that a lot of the narrative of how we talk about this defense over the next eight months is going to be shaped by how it plays as a collective unit on Friday night. Especially when you look back at the offenses they played up until these Michigan and Missouri teams. I mean, we mentioned it really. Ohio State had a pretty easy run of offenses that it played in stretches of this year. Um, you know, they they had good performances against Notre Dame. I think the way they shut down Penn State, even if Penn State isn't an elite offense, was very impressive. I think, you know, doing what they did against Western Kentucky even was good. But the low caliber offense across the Big Ten kind of paints a different picture if you don't, don't then go out and deliver in your – Probably two most. I mean, this. I think it's fair to say this is now the second most important game after Michigan for Ohio State. When you talk about the legacy of this season, how you perform in this game, like you said, it's just going to have a huge impact on how this defense is viewed, how Jim Knowles is viewed in a lot of people's eyes. I think as Ohio State fans, and you know, the, all the talks about the improvements that were made from year one to year two. Well, now if you go out and have, you lay two eggs to end the year, all that gets undone and. You know, from a certain fan perspective, you know, as true or untrue as that may be when you talk about what's actually happening. So a lot of storylines, a lot of narratives uh, playing out in this game that ultimately is just for a a fun trophy to hoist over your head. They're not playing for a national title or anything else on Friday, but this is it's still an important game for Ohio State. And I, I think it's important for people to you know grasp that. Before we get into our predictions, a couple other guys I want to talk about we haven't talked about yet. I mean, another guy that I think I'm interested to see, one, how much does he play? And two, how does he perform if he gets that opportunity is Down Hayden? Because you know he's a guy, I think there's probably a lot of people out there that are interested to see if we see more Down Hayden in this game. Because obviously, Ohio State decided to preserve his red shirt this year only played him in three regular season games, but you would think, you know, he's going to go into this game as the number two running back. You know, Travion Henderson, assuming that he's playing, is going to get the bulk of the carries in this game, but Dallin's going to be 
you know, that next man up, which means he has the opportunity to play a much bigger role than we've seen him play all year with the exception of that Purdue game when basically everybody else was hurt. And so uh, he's a guy that I'm interested to see, you know, how does he fare on this stage? Can he build some momentum for himself going into next year? Because again, we look at that roster, we still don't know what Travion Henderson is going to do. There's a chance that Dallin Hayden could be Ohio State starting running back next year. Either way, we expect Dallin Hayden to be a regular in the running back rotation next season. And so he's a guy that I think, you know, this is a big opportunity for to see what he uh, can do to maybe build some momentum for himself for next year. And then I think, you know, going in tandem with that, the offensive line as well. I mean, we've talked about the ups and downs there, you know, another unit where it felt like, you know, going into that Michigan game, they were starting to build some momentum for themselves and then had some key lapses in that game that, that ultimately cost Ohio State. And so you've had offensive line, but, but other than Matt Jones, the potential to return off its other four starters next season. But, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of questions in the offseason about, you know, should all four of those guys remain starters next year or does Ohio State need to shake some things up? We haven't seen Ohio State add any transfer offensive linemen yet or transfers, period, at this point. But, you know, I think that's a position that's going to remain under a microscope. You'd certainly like to see them finish the season strong in this game and, and build some momentum going into 2024. I mean, we'll dive into the specifics, obviously. We'll have all offseason to talk about what this 2024 Ohio State offensive line will look like. Uh, plenty of it is going to have to do with Donovan Jackson's NFL draft decision. Uh, I know. That Michigan game was obviously not how he wanted to close his Ohio State career when you talk about uh, obviously get falling over, tripping over Carson Hensman on that last play, giving up the hit that forced an interception from McCord and ultimately um, you know, sealed Ohio State's loss in that game, giving up another sack in that game. Um, Donovan Jackson is a guy whose decision is also going to dictate, I think, the future for Josh Pryor because Pryor... When you look at next year's offensive line, I think Fryer has clear shortcomings as a tackle against speed rushers in particular off the edge. Uh, really just continued to have an issue with that all year. And it, it might just be, in athle- athletically, I think, his more natural position might be guard in the end. When you look at him, they might need to slide him inside if Donovan leaves and they don't add anyone in the transfer portal. If you get Donovan back, I mean, you have Enoch Ramahi, potentially you have other guys that could step up at that guard spot. But I think if you have to replace both guards, moving Fryer inside, especially when you have Luke Montgomery waiting in the wings and maybe looking at a transfer portal option becomes a lot more, a lot more realistic, a lot more of something that might need to happen. And another guy I do want to touch on, just because I know a lot of fans are going to be talking about him here, is CJ Hicks, a guy that, you know, we have been waiting to see even ha- find some way onto the field all year, and it never happened because before the year, Noel said that he would be at leashed at some point. And look, Ohio State's linebackers, you know, it had a solid, really good rotation of linebackers. I mean, by the end of the year, Cody Simon was playing better than any of them. And that was your third guy. So there, you know, it's not so much that there it's all on CJ, not getting like there was an avenue there for CJ to get to the field, but he's a guy that you wanted to see demand some playing time in his sophomore season. Hasn't yet. If Tommy Eichenberg doesn't play in this game, I know there's a lot of fans that would like to see CJ play, but Cody Simon and steel chambers will still be the starters if both are available. And, Jim Knowles said today he doesn't know that CJ is really going to have a role in this game. He's a said he's a player that still needs to be unleashed, as he said, but a lot of that's going to happen in the offseason. And it's also been interesting, Dan, to see how hard Ohio State has attacked specifically the linebacker position in the transfer portal, even knowing that Cody Simon is coming back. I mean, yes, it's good to have depth there, especially a veteran guy. If you could have added Caleb Evans or obviously he did not. Uh, end up choosing Ohio State in the end. But now, you know, looking at the pursuit of Tech Curtis, uh, other things that, you know, just how hard they've hit the portal for a linebacker. It's, I think it's just all interesting when it comes to CJ. I don't know how much to make of it. And I think that CJ is still an incredibly, incredibly gifted athlete. Um, It's just obviously some of the other parts of playing linebacker weren't there this year for him enough to get him on the field. 
And uh, I think if he does get his shot against Missouri in some form or fashion, then you'd love to see him step up in that spot. But um, it's it's not something that I'm necessarily expecting to happen. No, me neither. I think, you know, certainly a huge offseason ahead for C.J. Hicks. And I think certainly Jim Knowles wants to find a role for him. You know, on my mind, that could be the starting will linebacker role. But the way, you know, Jim Knowles talked today, you know, maybe it looks a little bit different. I think, you know, we'll see him that. And again, I think that's something we'll dive into more over the next eight months here. Again, as you said, some of that could be dictated by whether Ohio State actually adds a transfer linebacker, which as of now, it hasn't. And so, uh, again. To be determined on that, but first and foremost, uh, we we have a game coming up on Friday. Ohio State set to play Missouri in its 2023 season finale. The the line has moved back and forth for this game throughout the month. I know Ohio State opened as a favorite, and I, I think Ohio State opened as like a six and a half point favorite initially. It swung all the way to Missouri being the favorite after Kyle McCord. Uh, entered the transfer portal and then it's kind of vacillated back and forth since uh, I think after Saturday when it was announced that Ennis Rakestra and Tyron Hopper would be out for Missouri it had Missouri had been a slight favorite it swung back toward Ohio State being a slight favorite and that's still where it is as of Tuesday afternoon Ohio State a one and a half point favorite with an over under of 48 and a half for that game I think certainly the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr., as of right now, appears to be the only opt-out for Ohio State, has probably been a factor in that line moving back toward Ohio State slightly. I think, you know, if Ohio State was going to be without a lot of its top players, there'd be a lot of people picking Missouri to win. But I think, you know, with Ohio State being close to full strength, it looks like in this game, Ohio State is still you know, pound for pound, the more talented team in this game. I, I think Missouri is good enough to win this game. And I think this game is going to be a real challenge for the Buckeyes. But, you know, two years ago on this podcast, when we were talking about the Ohio State-Utah Rose Bowl, I picked Utah to win that game because I thought, I don't know how how much Ohio State's going to get up for this game. I think Utah is going to be more motivated. And to be clear, Utah almost won that game. That was an Ohio State defense that was a lot worse than this one. And so, you know, I think, you know, obviously C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba had historically great performances in that game. And that led Ohio State to victory in, in that game. I don't think this game is going to look quite like that because I think – this Ohio State defense is a lot better, and I don't think this Ohio State offense is at the same level as that Ohio State offense. But I do think Ohio State is going to find a way to win this game. I think they they are as motivated as they need to be to go out and win this game. I think it's going to be close, but I, I think I'm stealing Garrett's prediction from last week, to be honest. So I was trying to come up with a different score, but I just kept going back to it because it was a score that made the most sense in my head. I'm going to go with Ohio State 27, Missouri 24 in this game. I think it's going to be an up and down day for the offense. You know, with Devin Brown making his first start at quarterback, uh, going against uh, a decent Missouri defense. I, I don't expect the offense to light the world on fire in this game. But I do think that, oh, you know, we're going to see Devin Brown make some plays. I think the offense as a whole is going to make some key plays in this game. And I think the defense is, is going to do enough. Again against what I think is a really good offense. So when I'm predicting Missouri to score 24 points, I'm not saying I think that's necessarily going to be a bad day for defense. I think it's just going to be uh, one of those games. I mean, much like we saw in the Michigan game, this could easily be one of those games that comes down to one or two plays and who can execute at the end. Ohio State wasn't able to do that against Michigan, but I'm going to say they will be able to do it in this game and Ohio State wins the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, you know, I've I've overshot Ohio State winning margins uh, several times already this season, and, and picking them by a touchdown as I'm about to do feels like I might be doing that again because I do expect this to be a really good close game. Uh, but I have Ohio State 31, Missouri 24. Uh, same, really, kind of the same thoughts on Missouri that you had. I think that this is a legit Missouri offense, but also a really motivated Ohio State defense that 
you know, maybe the complete collection of talent is slightly better. Obviously, Missouri has a lot of weapons in a lot of places and good all around, as we mentioned. But I think this Ohio State defense at its best is one of the best in the country. Missouri, really good offense again. But I think Missouri's going to have enough plays with those playmakers, with Schrader, with Burden to produce, you know, 24 points, still respectable given Ohio State hasn't allowed 24 points in a lot of its games this year. Um, and 31 from Ohio State, I think they, they're going to come out of the gate slow. Missouri might be leading this game early. There is going to be a feeling out process for Devin Brown. Maybe not so sure it's nerves, like I said earlier, as much as it is just getting into the rhythm of the offense, seeing the field. It's a totally different thing to run the show in practice versus run it in an actual live game with real game speed real game consequences. So they're going to have to rely on Travion Henderson a little bit, I think, early, even though the run defense is the stronger portion of Missouri's defense. The passing defense is what you try to exploit over time. And then, you know, obviously, like we said, I think someone on offense is going to have to make a play that hasn't this year. Uh, When you talk about Carnell Tate or Xavier Johnson, they've made plays, but they haven't had huge games, right? Someone's going to have to have a huge breakout performance uh, in that regard, uh, in addition to maybe a Mecca having a big game coming back now being the top guy uh, after uh, Marvin op- likely opts out, or you know maybe someone else we don't expect steps up in a big way. Maybe that's Dallin Hayden. I don't know, but I, I think someone's going to have a big performance on offense that hasn't yet this year in terms of a whole game making more than just a few plays and um, I think Ohio State eventually finds its rhythm eventually puts together enough drives uh, not that not to dominate Missouri's defense but enough to win this game I, I again I have them by a touchdown uh, 31 points. Well, we hope you enjoyed our Cotton Bowl preview. Make sure you stay locked in with 11 Warriors all week long for full coverage before, during, and after the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Andy and I, as well as Garrick Hodge, are all here in Texas to bring you coverage of the game. And we'll be back next week. It will be 2024. And uh, we will wrap up not only this game, but Ohio State's 2023 season as a whole and begin looking ahead to 2024. So we hope you join us, Ben. Uh, Have a great week. Enjoy the game. Have a happy new year, and we'll talk to you again soon.